Well, uh, it's good to see you guys here. I know um, things are getting a little crazy with COVID again and whatnot, so um, we will see. Uh, we're trying to talk about as a staff what it's the best thing to do again, um, you know. But just so, just to let everyone know online, and you guys too, you know, we still have our outdoor service, um, and, and that's every time, every week at 11. So if you're, if you're uncomfortable with coming inside or anything, just come to outside. We're, we're going to keep doing it, and it'll be fine. Or it's also just online if you uh, want to do that too. So uh, we are, <laughs> we've been prepared for this. <laughs> um, but I don't really pay that much attention to the news, so I, I'm a bad expert. You <laughs> should not listen to me about things with news pertaining. Anyway, uh, let's get started this morning on like what we're actually here for. Um, I'm going to just start my phone here so I don't go forever and ever. So uh, kind of last minute, uh, we had to figure out what we're going to do this morning and whatnot. Some people are out of town and whatnot. So Scott was like, hey, can you do Sunday? I'm like, okay, uh, let, me, let me bring some things together. And I actually thought about, um, uh, and I called Howard and was like, hey, can you lead the Sunday? You know, so we can do this tag team. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. So that was really good. But um, I was thinking this morning, if I'm not going to just come up with some uh, new thing, I, I, every week at our practices um, with the middle schoolers and high schoolers and then our adult practices and stuff, we always do a Bible study. And I really make, try and make a commitment to that because, you know, we can invest in um, our abilities and our gifts and things like that, but it really doesn't matter that much unless we're investing in our souls and in our relationship with God. So I really try and make a commitment to do that each week with the students and with the adults. And we actually have some really amazing times just going over scripture or whatever we're doing that week. And um, I thought this week, this Sunday, it would be fun to go over something that we kind of kind of dipped our toes into um, a week or two ago. And it's out of Hebrews 5. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, we're going to be in Hebrews 5. And let me pray let me get this thing. Oh, man, this, I, I understand Scott now. This thing's so annoying. But let me pray, and then we'll get started here. Um, just to get us in the right headspace here, get myself in the right headspace. So let's pray real quick. God, thank you for just our time this morning. Um, regardless of how much staff we have and how much production we have and everything like that, um, what really matters is all of us made a choice this morning to be here to invest in our relationship with you. That's what really matters. And all of us want to hear from you week after week. And so I just pray for us here this morning, listening online and everything, um, just that we can tune our ears to you this morning and this moment. Um, it, and I think of it even in terms of like, in all eternity, we have this moment right now. This is the only moment that is the present. And we're going to choose to give that to you, God. So help us just to be open to you, because we know that you're open to us. So, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So this morning, like I said, we're going to go over Hebrews 5. And 
I, um, like I said, we, we kind of dipped our toes into Hebrews 5 the other day at our worship team practice because there's this song we've been doing on Sunday called um, Son of Suffering. I don't know if you guys have seen the title. We've sung it, I think, about two or three times now. And I wondered where they got that phrase, son of suffering, from. And they say, man of sorrows, son of suffering. And so often what I do when I hear a great new song, I go look up some of the verses where they might have gotten the lyrics from. Um, And I found myself in Hebrews 5. And actually, if we go down to, we're going to read through all of, well, most of 5. But this is where they get it from. I think is verse 8, 5, 8, if you can pull that up, Steve. We got it. It says that even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. And so there's this idea that is a very mysterious idea, I think, <laughs> that Hebrews is, the author of Hebrews is presenting with us that even though Jesus was God's son, somehow, for some reason, he had to learn obedience. And to me, that's a very puzzling thought. Why would Jesus have to learn obedience? And not only that, but Hebrews says he had to learn obedience from the things he suffered. And you start thinking, well, what does that mean? And... What did, what did he have to suffer? And is this something that applies to me? Am I, do I have to learn obedience? Uh, and is there suffering somehow involved in this? So there's a lot of things, that you, places that your mind can go. So uh, if we kind of open this back up or pull back a little bit and look at the context of this whole verse, starting at verse 1, Hebrews 5.1, This is what Hebrews says, and it's very, there's a lot here. This little 10 verses is jam-packed with a ton of, like, lessons. And when we were talking about as a worship team, it was just like, they just started coming out. We were just sharing. It was like, wow, this this means this, and this means this, and see, this is how these two connect and everything. It was really fun to do, and I kind of wanted to do that with us today. And as I was preparing for today, I felt like, God just took me even deeper into the meaning of this. And so I want to take you guys there with me. So starting at verse 1, Hebrews 5, 1. Hebrews says, Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. Right? So we have this concept of a priest, a high priest. This might be foreign in our day and age, um, but uh, in their day and age, When this was written, the high priest was the one who presented the sacrifices for the sins of the people and for all these different, had all these different rules and things that they had to offer sacrifice. And the priest was the one who did the ceremonial washing and everything and made sure everything is right so that they could uh, do that. It wasn't your duty. It was your duty to bring something and then they would kind of do their dealings with that. So Hebrews is reminding us of, of this, and he's going to use this kind of in an analogy, or maybe literally. So every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God, right? We kind of can see that. And he says, 
or whoever wrote Hebrews says, he presents their gifts to God and offers sacrifice for their sins. So all the evil things that we do, all the things that we mess up, all the damage that we do and day in and day out, uh, the priests make sure that you can, he offers sacrifices for their sins. I might have to get handheld five because this thing is so, so annoying and it's so distracting to me. Quick intermission, guys, because I don't, I don't want to, it's, I think that this, this is a really expensive mic, but you have to like fine tune it to get it to like fit right. So thanks, Steve, for grabbing that. Um, but we can keep going, actually. I think, well, well, yeah, we can, actually. Verse 2, if you look at it with me, verse 2 says, And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness. Thanks, Steve. Check. Oh, yeah. Much better. So, come back with me. Verse 2. We have the high priest, right? Sacrifices, makes sacrifices for the sins of the people. He is doing the work, right? Verse 2 says, now this is a very interesting idea. He says, and he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people because he himself is subject to the same weakness, right? This makes sense to us, right? If you're offering sacrifices for people and they're messing up and they're sinning and whatnot like we, we do, the priest understands that because he's no different than we are, right? So he's able to deal gently, makes sense. It, otherwise, you would just be a hypocrite, right? And, and Hebrews makes light of this. He says, that is why he must offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as theirs. So... The high priest, does that make sense? We're, we can have compassion. We can have gentleness with people when and they're on their journey of life because we understand. It's like empathy, right? And so this is, the, this is the thought that Hebrews starts out with, and he wants us to go down through the verses with this idea in mind, that this is what the high priest is like, Right? Okay, so this gives us context for what we're going to read next. So verse 4, he goes on, and he says, And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. So this is also a very interesting idea. He's saying that not anyone can just be a high priest. No, no, no. It's actually... you have to be chosen. And he says, he must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. So there's this idea that the high priest cannot, you can't just choose to be the high priest, but you have to be called. Now, that's kind of interesting. Like, what, what does that mean? What does that mean to be called to something? Um, to me, that implies that there is a choice involved. It implies that one must accept the call. They have to know about the call in order to fulfill the call, if that makes sense. But he says he must be called by God for this work, just as Aaron was. And he's going to back this up by saying, you know, hey, remember Aaron? He was the first priest that God called. 
And verse five, five, it says, that is why Christ did not honor himself. Now, this is a very, very interesting verse. He says, that is why Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, and this he quotes Psalms. But let's just look at this first part. What do you mean that Christ did not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest? To me, in my default thinking about Jesus, of, of course he would assume that he's God or that he's the high priest. He's God, right? Uh, but that's, Hebrews is telling us not so. That's not actually what happened. He says that the, the writer of Hebrews says, he couldn't he, uh, not honor himself by assuming he could become high priest. No, he was chosen by God. So again, there's this idea of calling, this idea of being chosen. And he back, Hebrews backs this up by quoting Psalm. Psalm 2, he says, you are my son, today I have become your father. This is God talking to Jesus. This is God talking to the Messiah hundreds of years before Jesus comes on the scene. And Hebrews is saying, you see this psalm? It points to Jesus. It's proof that Jesus was called by God to be the high priest. Now, we might think that that's kind of odd, but if we trust the writers of Scripture, these are the guys that saw it, that did the research, that were there, that interacted with Jesus if we trust it, this gives us an idea of how we should look at Scripture. Because he's using this ancient, ancient writing from Psalms. And he's saying, you see, it points to Jesus. And then he quotes another psalm. He says, in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Again, this is Psalm 110. And it's, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's mind-blowing to think in Psalm 110, again, written hundreds of years ago, God says to the psalmist, he's talking about the Messiah to come, and it says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. How can anyone be a priest forever? Unless they live forever, right? So it kind of gives us this hint of, no, he's talking about the Messiah. He's talking about this one who's going to live forever, who's going to forever be the priest there's no, there's no other person that can fulfill that qualification except for Jesus, right? Very interesting how Hebrews pulls out this Old Testament scripture. It, it really kind of makes me wonder, you know, how do I look at scripture? If Hebrews takes the, this seriously, when he looks at the Old Testament, I don't know. It, it really makes me think, how should I... how how can I learn from this? So if we keep going on, verse 7, he says, so he's going to bring us back to this idea. He just proved through the Old Testament that Jesus is this high priest. And he says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And it says, and God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. So now Hebrews is saying, we know that Jesus is the high priest, and he's chosen and called. We also know that Jesus was human. 
that he is the high priest that can empathize with us. And this is, we get this picture, this vivid picture. Hebrews is using strong language here. Prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. Does that remind us of anything? Does that remind us of ourselves? It reminds me of myself in my life. The times in my life where that, that was me, right? He's saying Jesus can empathize, and he did. And not only that, but God heard his prayers. And it wasn't just to some random idea of God or whatever, but he says, he, to the one who could rescue him from death. That's who Jesus is praying to. And God heard him. And then verse 8, he says, I keep saying he, them, whoever wrote Hebrews said, even though Jesus was, here's the verse, even though Jesus was God's son. So here we have flat out Hebrews just saying Jesus was God's son. He learned obedience from the things he suffered. And verse 9, if we keep going on, it says, he says, in this way, in this way, God qualified him, Jesus, as a perfect high priest. And he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. And God, verse 10, and God designated him to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The source, I mean, think about this. The source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Now, where we went in our Bible study on Thursday was kind of, where, what did Jesus have to be obedient to? What, what is Hebrews talking about? Did he have to be obedient to uh, these rules or a person or what? What, what, is, what is Hebrews talking about here? And if you follow that vein, we kind of went down this road of, well, ultimately he had to be obedient to the cross. You know, it's a question of what did he have to suffer? What did Jesus suffer the ultimate climax? He had to suffer the cross, right? So think about this. Hebrews is saying, Jesus cry, crying, tears, pleading to the one who could rescue him from death. And I think about it. I wrote this down that what Hebrews is saying to me and the way I would put it is not even death and all the sin of the world kept Jesus from choosing obedience to the Father. We think it's hard to be obedient in these little things each day, right? And it is. But this verse is showing us, you know who's your example? You know who's your inspiration to do that? Jesus went all the way to the cross. All the way, even physical death. That was his commitment to obedience. You know, again... You compare and contrast that to our lives, our little things that we deal with. And I don't want to minimize them because that's not what this verse is saying. Go back to the beginning, right? The high priest can deal gently, right? 
the context of those verses that Jesus has empathy, is that he has compassion. He understands what it's like. He understands, and I would say the verse is saying he understands better than even you because you didn't have to go take the sin of the world onto yourself. That was the test of Jesus. Now, which one would you like? <laughs> you know, do you want to, you know, try to live a life where God gets to bless you and do these amazing things in your life, even though you mess up all the time? And, you know, I'm going to learn and strive for this obedience. Or do you want to take that all the way? I mean, this is where it's going for us. Think about that. Not, this is our example, not even death. And all the sin of the world kept Jesus from choosing obedience to the Father. That's how committed Jesus was. That was his choice. God called Jesus. Jesus had to accept that call. That's what Hebrews is telling us. And I think about it. I wrote this down. Even Jesus chose to accept the call to obedience in his life. And I think he could have done whatever he wanted, right? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is God. He could do whatever he want. But he, he chose, he made a specific choice to accept the call to be our high priest. And think about this. He laid aside all his preferences that was given him from birth. Whatever he would want, whatever he would like to do, whatever identity he would like to have, he set that aside. From birth, Jesus was, right? Think of the miraculous birth. Born from a virgin, the star, the three wise men, the wise men, the gifts, the angels, all this story, right? We understand that Jesus was God from birth. And think, I mean, this, is, this really hit me like a ton of bricks when I was studying this. Because many of us say to ourselves, well, I was born this way, right? I didn't get to choose if I was like this, if this was my preference. I didn't get to choose that. I was just born this way. And just be careful <laughs> because think about it. To me, here we have Jesus' example saying to us, yeah, I was born God. How about that? You try and top that. I was born God. And I wrote this down. And yet I lay this aside. Jesus lays aside his Godship, suffers death on a cross, taking the blame for all your sins, because it's the beautiful thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's his choice. And it, it really presented to me, I mean, think about that. God from birth. Yeah, I was born this way. I was born God. That's Jesus. Paul says it this way. If we look at Philippians 2, 5 through 7, this may remind you of a very particular verse that's similar to Hebrews 5. You guys remember this verse, Hebrews 2, 5? It says, have this mind among yourself, 
So Paul's saying, have this mentality. And he says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's, it's yours, but it's in Christ Jesus. You can't have it outside of Christ Jesus, he's saying, right? Verse 6, he says, who though he was in the form of God, Jesus was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This was his choice, Paul is saying. Emptied himself. That was his action. Took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, Verse 8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is Jesus' commitment to obedience. This is how important it was to him. It was less important, it was more important than being God. (laughs) Think about it. I, I, I kind of thought about it this way. Jesus laid aside his preference and identity as God. He took on our identity on the cross, right? He took our place, our identity. And think about this, all four to, so that we could take on his identity, right? I feel like in this world, we, we are in an identity crisis just perpetually. I mean... It's always this preference or that thing or this is, this is what's going to define my life. This is what I'm going to fight for. And it's crazy to me that Jesus, you have God coming on earth saying, yeah, I'm going to lay down my preference as God and take on yours so that you can take on mine. I mean, that's just like, are we just missing the point? <laughs> you know, like, why... Why do I obsess about what am I going to do with my life or what's going to be, what defines me? When Jesus gives us this opportunity to take on his likeness, his identity. Oh, man, this, it just gets me fired up. <laughs> Sorry. And I think, I mean, think about this. This is where it brings me, is what right do I have what right do we have to hold on to a preference or an identity, something that defines us when God himself gave it all up to rescue and love us? Are we not to, to follow Jesus' example? Like this is where Hebrews is taking us. And if you go further in the chapter, the next part is about like uh, a warning for spiritual growth it's like a call to like yeah it's the whole thing about you guys are drinking milk you should be eating meat and I don't want to go into that but this is where Hebrews is leading us he's saying this is Jesus example to us okay this isn't just something that Jesus did it's what we we move into his likeness and I think At the same time, before we go off and say, well, I want us to be careful here because many of us can say, bring up the point of, well, you know, that's just being in denial, right? I, I'm, you can't say that, I can't just get rid of who I am, right? I can't just deny that. And I would say, yes, that's true. 
And I think Jesus did not deny who he was. He did not deny that he was God. He fully accepted that. And yet, right, he was God on earth. And, and at the same time, think he, his character, his words, his acts, they all proved it. He was not an in-denial person of who he was. He was the perfect image of God. And I think that's what makes his choice so much even greater is that he still made the choice on our behalf. He was not in denial. It's one thing if you're just in denial and you just choose to do something for someone. It's another thing when you fully count the cost and you fully accept who you are and you make that choice, right? And again, this is Jesus' example to us. This is how we're supposed to live. <laughs> I thought about where has where this happened in my life? What was a time in my life where I really wrestled with this idea? And I think for me, I think that I'm still figuring it out, obviously, but one time that really I struggled with identity was when I was just graduating high school. And I was going into college, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea. <laughs> Um, and I was doing music, a lot of music in my life. I was doing a lot of songwriting, and it was this huge source of freedom and expression. It was like this place that I could be myself in my music, and it really was a gift from God in, in a lot of ways. I, I wrote down, it was a place where I could be me, my, be my real self, words and melody and connection with others. And it really felt that way, right? And I remember pleading and praying with God. I remember it was so hard for me because I was pleading with God. I, I was saying, I want to do music. I was saying, God, I can impact the world with my songs, for good. You know, don't you want that? Isn't that what you want, God? And I felt like my songs could change the world, and I think that they do and they can. But why was I wrestling so much is because it was an identity thing. I wrote down, but I wrestled with God about this many nights because I knew it would somehow disappoint me I didn't think, didn't put it this clearly at the time, but I knew it was going to disappoint me if my pursuit was out of obedience to myself rather than to God. I knew that I needed God's approval. I wanted it to be God's thing. But at the same time, I wanted it myself. <laughs> and I really wrestled with that for a long time. And I think even in my naive 18-year-old self, when you, when you connect with God and you get a taste of beauty and truth, right, 
I could just feel this tug to that beauty and truth that somehow it laid beyond myself and within God. Somehow I knew God was saying, songwriting itself, Bryce, will not satisfy you. It's not big enough to define you. It's just not. And I remember finally after many nights of wrestling with God, I just relented. (laughs) And I accepted. I didn't know how my life was going to turn out. And I would still write music and find ways to explore myself, express myself through song. That might always be a part of me. But God led me to this choice. You see, God calls us. He leads us to a choice, right? And for me, the choice was to say that music will never be able to to define me like God does. It will never fulfill me like God does. And I had to really accept that and, and kind of say, this can't be my identity. Even if I want to do it, it still cannot be enough. And I think I didn't know it back then. But I was, I'm like, even as I was writing this message, I'm beginning to understand that I really want, what I really wanted (laughs) was to be believed in. Music was my pursuit of that, needing that approval, wanting that approval. If I could just change the world, maybe I could be good enough. Maybe even God would accept me. These things, they tempt us. These things, they tempt us with identity. And for me, it was a temptation because it was this cover-up for my need for approval. And, and why, would I want to, why would I want to delve into my need for approval when I could just pursue music and pursue fame and success? Those look much, much nicer <laughs> And I think God really protected me in my life. I think he knew, you know. And, and, and when things didn't go work out the way that I wanted, you know, I was angry at God. It was really a long battle for me. If we look at, you guys remember in the beginning of this passage, Hebrews 5, he quotes Psalms. And Psalm 2 is the part where it says, you are my son, today I become your father. And I was reading this psalm, and I was like, why did he, why did he pick this psalm? And I looked through the psalm at the beginning. This is how the psalm starts. Psalm 2 says, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Who's his anointed one? We're talking about the Messiah. They're not plotting against something. They're plotting against God. And look at this. Verse 3 says, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from the slavery to God. And I think this was written thousands of years ago at this point. And yet, 
this is exactly where we still are today, right? We, we hear this all around us in our friends. Let me free myself, break the chains from slavery to God. He's holding me back from all these things. It's his, that's his plan. And is that, is that true? Are we slaves to God? And I would say, I didn't write this down, but I was thinking, if I'm seeking approval from God, and all my life is this pursuit of this approval, will I be a slave to God? Yes, I will. I will be a slave to the God that I form in my mind, right? But that's not the truth. <laughs> what did Jesus have obedience to and suffered all the way for us? Right? Why did he do that? He took on us so that we could take on him. Right? He gives us, and to me, it, Hebrews 5 leads us to this place of choice. I think Hebrews 5 is showing us no one, uh, no, that, that like, no, we're not slaves to God. Just like Jesus, we are called, each one of us, called. We're called into an identity with Christ, and it's a choice. It's not something you just, oh, I was born this way. No, 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 no. You, we all are born many different ways, yes. But we have a choice because God calls us. And I think, too, Hebrews is showing us it's, and to me, this is what I saw in my life as I was making this decision about music and about, I mean, this has been a decision through many, many years. If I don't have Jesus' reflection, if I don't see it, how can I make that choice? To me, it's only in the reflection of Jesus, of this reflection of Jesus on the cross, giving up his identity to take on ours. It's only in that reflection of Jesus that we can understand and choose our true identity. This identity is a choice. It's not something, that's what Hebrews is saying. Jesus was called. Jesus was born God, but he had to learn obedience through suffering. Think about that. He had to learn obedience through suffering. This is our example. And again, I want to remind us, not even death and all the sin of the world kept Jesus from choosing obedience to the Father. What is that example to us? Can we strive for that in our life? Right? We can. Jesus is the living example, human, on earth, that you can make that choice. To me, I mean, <laughs> I just think it just blows my mind that that's how much Jesus approves of us and believes in us. That he would go there for us. That he would go to the cross for us. Look at, look at Hebrews, before we get into a self-deprecating place, I don't want us to go there, but look at Hebrews 7, 5, 7, right? Rem, let me remind you of this verse. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. He could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because he had deep reverence for God. To me, I wrote down, Jesus understands. That's what Hebrews is saying. He understands. He's been there. More than you could ever know he's been there. He gets it. <laughs> right? He understands. I think 
Jesus knows there, there is a suffering to obedience. There is. You have to make a hard choice sometimes. I think to make that choice every day is our battle. That's our battle. We make that choice every day. But, but, but you've got to put it in context of look at the cross. Look at what Jesus accomplished by making that choice. There's nothing more beautiful, more, there's nothing more truthful, there's nothing more deep, there's nothing more significant than that choice that God made for us. And Jesus is saying, you can make that choice. I, I wrote this down. I think Jesus looked at the cost. He looked at the cost. Think about it. And he looked at us and he said, you are worth it. Right? That's essentially what he said. You are worth it. No matter if you don't even understand your whole life, no matter if you don't even choose me, you are worth it. That's mind-blowing to, to me. And I think it brings us, this is my last kind of point here, is it brings us to the choice in us, in ourselves. Right? It's our choice every day. Think about this. Are we going to say back to God? You are worth it. More than even all the things that I want. You are worth it. That's our choice every day, right? That's all I have. <laughs> That's all I have this morning. But I feel like for all of us, there is a place inside ourselves where this conflict is happening. Something is tempting us to identity. Something is tempting us to define us. And I want us to think about this. Where in our life is that happening? It could be a very good thing. I think most of my friends and family would say my songwriting is a fantastic thing. They love it. They love my songs. People that listen to my songs, I think they do, they, they do are impacted. That's great. But that doesn't mean that that thing can claim my identity. It doesn't mean that that thing that I was born with, it's still a choice, right? And, and please wrestle with this, that you can, if you read Hebrews 5, if you read Philippians 2, to me, you cannot deny that Jesus makes this choice for us. You can't. You, you can't deny that to me. It's so blatantly clear. Philippians 2, again, have the mind, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It's this beautiful, beautiful example. Jesus is saying there is, there is a battle, yes, but there is something to be accomplished far greater and beautiful than that battle. So let me just pray to wrap us up this morning.
and just kind of go back to this. God, I'm so thankful that you said that we are worth it. I mean, we're so thankful, and it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around that choice that Jesus made. And Hebrews 5, Philippians, these verses are attempting to help us to wrap our minds around them, around it. And Jesus, we need your example. Why do we need to wrap our minds around it? We need it because the more we understand, the more it, sh- it shows in front of us this vivid picture of who you are. It inspires us. It changes us. It leads us to be more like you, to make that choice. So I just pray for all of us this morning. All of us are wrestling with this in different areas in our lives. Help us to make that choice. Help us to choose things that enable us to see you. If the God of the universe says to us that we are worth it. God, how can that change us? What if we actually lived as if we believed that? Help that to be true in our lives, God. That's what we need over and over and over. We need that every day. So just be with us as we just finish our service this morning, God, and we sing this last song. Help us to have some time to think about this. And at the same time, I pray that for all of us listening, that we would just move forward a little bit on that, that it would just take one little chink out of the armor. And we thank you, God, for just speaking to us. Thank you for Hebrews 5. Thank you for Philippians. Thank you for your Psalms. Thank you for how you speak to us, God.